Welcome to the week 11 edition of the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm joined here with my younger brother, Carson, as we discuss matchup previews for week 11. So how are you doing, Carson? I'm doing very well. I'm ready to jump into this week that only has two buys, so hopefully your team is not uh, ridden with a bunch of players on buy, but I guess we can hop right into those two teams right now. Yeah, a couple of, uh, one very fantasy relevant in the Rams and one fantasy relevant-ish in the Broncos. Uh, let's start with the Broncos. Who we got at running back that we're missing? Yeah, I think the Broncos surprisingly have, you know, they don't have a lot of, uh, I'd argue they don't have any must-starts, but they have a decent amount of uh, must-roster players. So at running backs, we got Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Uh, wide receiver Sutton, and he's been annoying to manage on my fantasy team. Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, and then they also have Fant. So they have a decent amount of relevant players, but uh, not a lot of must-starts, like I've said. Yeah, and then with the Rams, obviously everyone who has him is missing him. It's Cooper Cup, and we've we've found out that Robert Woods is done for the season. That makes the OBJ trade a little bit more fantasy-relevant uh, than we initially thought. Uh, on top of that, Matthew Stafford, he's been kind of difficult to uh, watch as of late, but also Daryl Henderson, and he was a little banged up, but also uh, Sonny Michel is his backup. But yeah, I mean, outside of those guys... Uh, not not a lot to miss. I think that this is a good week. If you are in need of a win, you're probably not going to lose because of your bye weeks. Yeah, and if uh, players are on your waivers, such as Van Jefferson and even Tyler Higby, and they might go unnoticed this week because they're on bye, they might be worth adding just because of the absence of Robert Woods and how good this offense is. Um, so I would definitely consider that uh, depending on your roster construction in your league. All right. So uh, I guess we can move on to the Thursday night football matchup, which is your New England Patriots against the Falcons. Uh, let's go, baby. Rematch. Let's 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 crush. <laughs> yeah, twenty-seven-three. Ring any bells? Yeah, twenty-eight-three. I was actually watching an NFL Films video on that. Oh today. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, these teams are not what they used to be, although the Patriots are definitely on the ups. I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl, but, I mean, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, and I think they almost certainly will of the form they're at right now. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, they're riding high, baby. They're 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 hot, and they're doing really well. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm loving to watch it. Yeah, this is interesting, because the Patriots destroyed the Browns in Week 10, whereas the Falcons were decimated by the Cowboys in Week 10. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots can keep it going and the Falcons will bounce back. So we'll start with Mac Jones, 19 for 23, 198 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, good for 19.92 fantasy points. And I'll ask you, is he legit? I think he's a legit NFL starter. I don't think that he's necessarily going to make a lot of fantasy rosters just yet. Agreed. But it's, it's promising to see how well he's performing in his rookie season, uh, you know, with with uh, limited talent around him. I, obviously, Jacoby Myers, as we'll allude to later, um, he got it done in the getting a, getting his first touchdown reception. But yeah, you know, I mean, the, the 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 cast of characters around him is it's it's very typical of a of a New England roster, which, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say it's a lot of people that just get the job done. Uh, something I like about this team that past Patriot teams haven't always had is they have a lot of youth. They have a lot of young players that. Um, will only get better, and it's not just a bunch of veterans that Brady 
could somehow revitalize the career. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. The other thing is that we have consistent running back play. Even with Damian Harris out, we can talk about Ramondre Stevenson, who just lit up the Browns. Yeah, insane. And as Blake said, uh, Harris was out. I think he's expected to be back this week, but monitor that status. But Ramondre Stevenson and No, he is. He, he is expected to play. His okay. uh, He has no injury status. Okay, but Ramondre Stevenson in Week 10, 20 rushes for 100 yards and two rushing touchdowns, while also having four catches for 14 points, 27.4 fantasy points. Blake was forced to play him last week, and it really paid off. Um, can't say you were expecting that to happen. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson also led the team in targets with five. You know I love that, and I find that very interesting, considering how much uh, carries he had, too. He was just doing everything. Um, but I'll ask you, what do you think happens to Stevenson when Harris comes back? So the most exciting part about this is that he's a rookie and he went into this previous game in week 10 without practicing at all during the week. And I think that that's really indicative that like based on how he performed that he is very talented. And the reality of that is that even with Harris back this week, he's going to have an increased role in this offense, I believe. I think that, you know, and he showed some he showed some chops in the past game, and I think that that's promising for a team that is missing James White right now, mm-hmm. that I think Stevenson's going to be involved in those passing downs a little bit more than he has in the past. And I, I'm kind of in a position myself that I, I'm considering starting both of these guys this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's, that, is a lot, that has a lot to do with my team uh suffering through a lot of injuries and other things but yeah stevenson is very talented i'm excited for his future with this team and i think that he's going to be involved a little bit more than you've seen him in the previous weeks that being said damian harris is the main guy he's been very effective he's scored i believe in his last five games that he started so uh, he's obviously still the main guy but i think it may come down to you know, maybe a 70-30 split, a 65-35 split, something like that that maybe hasn't been uh, the case as of late. Yeah, definitely interesting because they're both coming off of concussions, right? Uh-huh. Okay, um, something else that, as we've said about this team, just Harris is 24 years old and Stevenson's 23. Like, that, that's that got to make you feel good about the future of this backfield. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we young, talented guys that that are obviously taking to the system that Bill Belichick's wanting to run. So, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, okay, we'll move on to Jacoby Myers, and we already said it. He did it, broke his streak without uh, in his career, NFL career without having any receiving touchdowns. He finally did it, four receptions, 49 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown, 14.9 fantasy points. Um, you love to see that because even though he didn't have a ton of receptions for what he usually does, um, he found the end zone. So... I feel like that makes you feel better about his floor. But we'll move on to Kendrick Bourne, who had four receptions for 98 receiving yards and a touchdown, and three rushes for 43 yards. Uh, fifth double-digit fantasy scoring game, which is the same as Jacoby Myers. He's rostered in 3.1% of leagues uh, going into this week, and I know you picked him up in our league, so this probably goes without saying, should he be rostered in more? <laughs> Yeah, I believe so. I think he's kind of emerging as um, the main guy in this in this passing offense outside of Hunter Henry, of course. But uh, I, I think you know it's 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 excellent to see that Jacoby Myers got in the end zone. 
I kind of like how Kendrick Bourne's being used. You know, he came from San Francisco last season, and you know how they like to incorporate their wide receivers in the run game. So if this is any indication for something in the future, I think it's a really exciting prospect for him. Uh, I like his I like his opportunity in this offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hunter Henry, four receptions, two of them being touchdowns. He has seven receiving touchdowns in the past seven games. I mean, it's kind of like James Conner had been. I mean, it's hard to doubt him, but it, I, I don't feel great about it. But he's very consistent with it. So, I mean, yeah, this is a the game thing, without Jonu. This is the thing. I mean, obviously, so Hunter Henry is a tight end. And so you have to keep in mind that here here's the thing that I think is the most important. Outside of targets, which don't count for points, but it shows opportunity. Dang it. The difference is that Hunter Henry is getting, he has touchdown upside. I mean, we've seen it. We've, we've seen it time and time again over the past seven games. So you have to, if you're going to play someone like Hunter Henry, you need to erase those touchdowns and look at the score that he would get, which this week would have been 7.7. Are you comfortable with that from your, from your tight end? If you're not, don't start him. But... If you like the upside of what he can do, 19.7 in this past week, I mean, that's 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 top tight end numbers. So that, that's how you kind of have to value those players. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And this is a good matchup for all these players on Thursday night because the Falcons' defense is relatively weak, ranking 22nd in total yards allowed per game and 30th in points allowed per game. So this Patriots offense should keep on trucking. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for another so. blowout. Yeah, I'm hoping for another blowout. And uh, I want to say it has not gone unnoticed that you now roster Harris, Stevenson, Bourne, and Henry. Your team is slowly becoming the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're hot as of late, so I can't, you know, I can't, uh, I can't deny that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll move on to the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan. Awful day. 9 for 21, 117 passing yards, 2 interceptions, good for .68 fantasy points. He had a Sam Darnold day. Um, <laughs> although Ouch. I do think I, that... I, I could have sworn you missed, a, you missed a 1 or something in there. No. No. Bad. Bad day for him. Uh, and yeah, this Patriots terrible. defense ranks 8th in passing yardage allowed per game at 220.1 yards, so it's not like he's getting a better matchup after this past week. So... I don't think you feel good starting him. I do think he is worth rostering um, because I do think he is a solid QB too, but I would not play him this week uh, confidently at all. Well, so then rostering in what in what capacity? In a two-quarterback league? or Because like, in a 10-team league, I don't think he is worth rostering. You don't think so? I think he is. I mean, I could be a little bit skewed well, because look, we're in a six-point <laughs> passing touchdown league. Look at this. Look, look at his floor. I mean, this is a game where he played three quarters of sure of football. So, I there are probably better options out there than Matt Ryan. I but um, but in a two-quarterback league, you might be forced to use someone like him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you don't feel amazing about him, especially after this. So I do agree. <laughs> uh, okay. Cordell Patterson. Monitor his injury status. Um, I think yeah, he'll be a game time decision. He's a game time decision. Um, uh-huh. So his stats aren't even really worth reading last week because he was dealing with that. Uh, Mike Davis. At this point, I'd say he's droppable. We've been saying that for a few weeks. He had four carries for 18 yards, while Wayne Gallman had 15 carries. I guess the old Saquon backup didn't even realize he was yeah, at the that's, Falcons. That's kind of an interesting addition for them. I, I think that. It, it does kind of indicate that Mike Davis is 
losing his his foothold in this offense even more because of that. Yeah. And pass catchers, Kyle Pitts, the only respectable day, day uh, out of this horrible loss for the Falcons. Four receptions for 60 yards, not amazing, but got you double digits. Russell Gage had another goose egg, zero uh, receptions. Tajay Sharp had one catch for zero yards. And Olamide Zacchaeus had two receptions for 22 yards. Pitts and Zacchaeus led the team in targets. Um, I, I guess... There really isn't a pass catcher worth rostering besides Pitts and Ridley, if you're holding on to him. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I find myself holding on to Ridley, but uh, yeah, outside of Pitts, I would say uh, it's it's very difficult to gauge who's going to do well in this offense, and I and I guess you can extend that to Cordell Patterson, but I think he's yeah. close to 100% rostered at this point. Yeah, uh, I guess he is. He's a pass catcher. He does it all, but yeah, he definitely is worth rostering. That goes without saying. And this Patriots defense is strong, ranking 6 in total yards allowed against per game at 328, and second in points against uh, 16.5. So I don't expect this, uh, I don't expect the Falcons to win this game. It's in Atlanta, so that helps, but I think this is going to be another win for your boys, at least. Yeah, so is the, so is the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, it is true. Uh, we'll move on to the first Sunday matchup, Ravens at Bears. Uh, we talked about Ravens a bit because they were Thursday night for last week. Lamar Jackson, 26 for 43, 238 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, and nine rushes for only 39 rushing yards, only for Lamar, I should say. Um, I would say don't panic on Jackson. I know that he, I read something that he was sent home from practice from being ill. I don't know if it's COVID related, but I guess monitor that. Make sure that doesn't harm his yeah, ability I haven't to play, heard, but I doubt it. I haven't heard anything relating to COVID with him. I think it's probably just, you know one of those uh he's got one a of those things that pops up yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs> exactly uh and again we talked about this surprising day for the pass catchers Rashad Bateman led the team in receiving yards and Bateman is definitely worth rostering he it, it's surprising me I mean his roster percentage went up by 15 this past week but he's still rostered in only 40 percent of leagues I think that he should be rostered and more he's only played four games but he's already been very consistent in those four as a rookie and, I mean, you know, I'm not going to mention any running backs on this team because there's really no one to mention fantasy-wise worth mentioning. So th- this team's going to be throwing the ball. Lamar's going to be stealing all the rushing. And Bateman's going to have a, uh opportunity to, you know, get plenty of receptions and be a fantasy-relevant option. And then Marquise Brown led the team in targets of 13, but he had a disappointing performance, only 9.7 fantasy points. I expect him to bounce back. He has been very good this season. Uh, Mark Andrews had a good day for you. He found the end zone, 18.3 fantasy points. Uh, And this Bears defense is relatively weak, ranking 25th in points allowed per game, 24.9. But they are easier to run against than pass against, so I would expect Lamar to get it done on the ground while also probably still having a productive day through the air. Um, yeah, let me let me ask you this real quick, just because this is kind of uh, recent news, is that Le'Veon Bell was released from the Ravens. Yes. So do you think any running back kind of, like, secures their number one spot in this offense, or is it still a committee any rise? I mean, isn't it Latavius Murray? And then I don't even remember the name of the other guy. <laughs> Devonta Freeman? Yeah, Devonta Freeman. Okay, that's, that's not even who I was thinking of. I mean, there was... I forget the name of the other running back that everyone thought was going to be the next fill-in, and then they just went—they just turned to veterans. Now I don't trust Tyson that. Tyson Williams. Yes, 
Um, I yeah. think he's a key example of just saying, like, you would have thought a younger guy would have taken over, but no, they went committee. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't trust that this backfield's going to have a number one guy other than Lamar. Yeah, I agree with that. Lamar is the running back you want on this team. Yes, exactly. Um, move on to the Bears, who were on bye in week 10. Justin Fields, we talked about this before, had a decent day for him. Still hasn't thrown for more than 100 passing touchdowns. 100. One passing touchdown in a single game. <laughs> he hasn't done 100. Have. He hasn't done 100 either, um, but hasn't even done one. But he did have 291 passing yards, which is good for him. So he could be on the ups, just maybe not this season. Uh, in this rave, but this is a good matchup. This Ravens defense ranks last in point in passing yards allowed per game at 283.3. So, I mean, it's a good matchup for him. We can move on to David Montgomery. Yeah. Or, or you want anything to say about Fields? Specifically? I was just gonna say I think I think Ravens. So you're you're showing down here that Ravens defense ranks fourth in rushing yards allowed per game. I'm a little surprised by that because I think, you know, in the previous weeks we've talked about how you can kind of run on on the Ravens. And I think that this might be a good game for Fields to get involved in the running game a little bit more. And we we obviously saw how David Montgomery was uh, utilized in his first game back. So I think maybe don't be scared of that, that, that ranking so much. But maybe, you know, I could be wrong. But I, this, this team's kind of... Uh, their their main focus seems to be running the ball so just just to keep that in mind yeah and that's field's focus as well so it'll be interesting to see um if he feels like he needs to be passing more but also like that rushing yards uh, a quarterback that can run is a little bit more nuanced than a team that just shuts down running backs so it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see agreed uh david montgomery 10, uh, 10 fantasy points in his first game back since week four. I expect his usage to go up even more. And as we already talked about the run defense for the Ravens a bit, uh, Khalil Herbert, unfortunately, we predicted it. He's droppable. Only had four carries in week 10, or week nine, rather. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I, I, unless you roster Montgomery and you want to have that as an insurance back I heading agree. into the playoffs, I think that's a safe option. But yeah, in terms of standalone fantasy value, it's pretty much non-existent, which which, which we saw on uh, last last or on week nine. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a few pass catchers. Allen Robinson, four receptions for sixty-eight yards. Darnell Mooney, three receptions for forty-one yards and a receiving touchdown, and one rush for fifteen yards and a rushing touchdown for twenty point six fantasy points. And Cole Komet, six receptions for eighty-seven receiving yards. Uh, Komet led the team in targets with eight. We've talked about him before. I think. Jimmy Graham was active in this game, so do you think he's worth rostering in some leagues that you know force you to play a tight end? Possibly, I I think there are probably better options at tight end available to you, especially because you know we just we, we talked about how in Week Nine this was Justin Fields' best day passing 291 passing yards, but he still has very low attempts, like less than 30 in this previous game that they played. And so I think it's probably, I think there are probably better options. I think he's got a low floor and I mean, 14.7 is good, but I think it's probably not going to be something you can rely on uh, week to week. Yeah. And then keep in mind, even though Mooney kind of boomed, Robinson and Mooney both only had four touches. So I don't think you feel like this is more to come from them, but 
yeah, I mean, we've already done not a lot of analysis on these pass catchers. I'll be interested to see if Fields keeps on stepping in the right direction, then that might change our minds, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, let's this, talk about yeah, Packers-Vikings. Move on to Packers-Vikings. Um, Aaron Rodgers, they, the Packers shut out the Seahawks last week in a snowy Lambeau field. Aaron Rodgers, 23 for 37, 292 <laughs> passing yards and one interception. Paris, did, sorry, I just did you watch the game at all? No. There was no snow on the field. <laughs> Uh, well, how? <laughs> there, there was snow on the field pre-game, uh, like you know, in the morning of Sunday. But there All was right, no well, snow on the field. You know, the sense of snow. It was a Christmassy feel yes. before. Yeah, got them all go. in the mindset they, of snow. They were uh, in they, the festive mood. Yes, that, that's funny though. I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> they did shut out the Seahawks though. That's true. Um, yes, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It, it, that's surprising. I guess they're prepared to clear up the snow. Whatever, we'll move on. Um, Aaron Jones, expected to miss one to two weeks. It's last I heard with a minor MCL tear. Um, so that opens the door for A.J. Dillon, who had 21 rushes for 66 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns and two receptions for 62 receiving yards, good for 26.8 fantasy points. So I'll ask you, um, is he a must-start in Jones's absence? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we've seen we've seen how he's eaten into Aaron Jones's uh, fantasy ceiling week after week, and we've you know kind of reinvigorated the free Aaron Jones movement. But yes. yeah, with AJ Dillon, uh, you know, with seemingly no other like competitors for the background, the backfield touches. Yeah, AJ Dillon's definitely must start. Yeah. I agree. And this Vikings defense makes 27th in rushing yards allowed per game at 130.6, so it's a good matchup for him, too. Uh, Devontae Adams, seven receptions for 78 yards. Disappointing for fantasy managers that have Adams, hoping that Rodgers would, you know, allow him to bounce back even more, but he still has an extremely reliable floor, and you're, you can't be too disappointed. I, I'm sure there'll be better days ahead for this elite wide receiver one. This Vikings defense is relatively weak, but they are easier to run against than pass against, um, but overall I don't see any worries for any of these fantasy-relevant players. Uh, we can move on to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, 20, 25 for 37, 294 passing yards on two touchdowns, and four rushes for negative three yards. Um, we've talked about this. He's probably a low-end QB1. Would you agree? High-end QB2? Uh, which would you say between those two uh, designations? I, I would agree with low-end QB1. Okay. Yeah, I think that you having him as your backup QB probably is... Uh, is nice. I know that you didn't play him last week because Brady had a seemingly insanely good matchup. We'll talk about him more later, but he's definitely a, a good second quarterback to have. Yeah, um, I, and I think he's startable in most 10-team leagues because uh, I'm trying to pull up the stats. There's a error in my app, but I believe he's still inside the top 10, at 10 maybe. Yeah, I can check that real quick. Whenever. In, in, in our scoring, at least. But yeah, yeah we either do way. Six point um, Kirk is Cousins nine. is. Yeah, so, and that's in six point passing touchdowns. But yeah, Kirk Cousins is reliable and he's got good weapons around him. So yeah, I like him. All right, awesome. Uh, Packers defense, though, ranks third in passing yards allowed per game at 202.7. So this might not be um, a game you're super confident starting him in. We'll move on to Dalvin Cook who had uh, a day that proved that he is a must-start to running back. 24 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown, and three receptions for 24 yards for a respectable 20.8 fantasy point day. Uh, so he's a must-start. That's really, that's really all you need to say about him. 
We can move on to pass catchers. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions for 143 yards. Adam Thielen, five receptions for 65 yards. And Tyler Conklin, three receptions for 11 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jefferson led the team in targets with 11. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, is do you think Thielen is a touchdown-dependent wide receiver too? Um, I think that, you know, he's been he's been kind of up or d- up and down this season. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you look at his game log, the games that he doesn't have a touchdown and it's single-digit scoring except for this last week. Um, but actually in week nine, he had a touchdown and still got only 8.6 points. <laughs> that, being sa- that being said, I think that uh, he is he's going to be used in this offense and, and it really comes down to how effective Dalvin Cook is. When Dalvin Cook struggles, and we've seen him struggle a little bit in the past few weeks, uh, Adam Thielen is a lot more involved, and so he has a lot more upside. But uh, obviously, Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver that you want in this offense. He's the wide receiver one of the crew. But yeah, Adam Thielen is kind of you know you kind of kind of temper expectations a little bit. Yeah, and Jeff- Justin Jefferson has been slightly disappointing uh, for probably where you drafted him, but not too disappointing. And I expect him to have more days uh, similar to this. So I think you feel great about him. And we've talked about Conklin a lot. Interesting day for him because usually he's been reliable with his receiving yards and receptions, but this day he just got it. He had a Hunter Henry day. So, um, do you like that outlook on him that now he's seeing the end zone? And do you think he's worth rostering? A little bit. I mean, I think that it's it's a little fluky that he got you know two touchdowns on three catches, but he hasn't had a touchdown since week three, and so I, I think he was you know he's probably due for it. But he's getting consistent. Uh, target volume in this offense and the yardage is usually there so he's kind of a he's kind of a mid-tier tight end obviously the the matchup isn't great this week but I think that you know Conklin is I feel better about Conklin than uh who did we talk about before um Komet okay not not Hunter Henry (laughs) Komet no Um, not Hunter Henry I wish Packers defense is strong, ranking third in total yards allowed per game and fourth in points against, as Blake was alluding to. So, um, I mean, I expect the relevant players to do well. Um, but, yeah, I think making a, a reach for Conklin and starting this week may not be the best idea. But we'll move on to the Colts against the Bills. Carson Wentz uh, kind of regressed back to earth. <laughs> 22 for 34, 180 passing yards, no touchdowns or interceptions, and four rushes for negative one yards, only 7.1 fantasy points. Uh, apparently, apparently, because he faced the Jaguars last week, so you expected him to have a good game, but apparently this Jaguars pass defense is sneaky good because they held Wentz to that and uh, beat the Bills in Week 9 and held Allen to not many points, so uh, it's yeah, interesting. They, they certainly have their moments. Um, they just need to kind of get more consistent to be a real threat. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's Bill def- Bill's defense ranks second in passing yards allowed per game, 190.2 passing yards is all they allow on average, so I don't think you feel great about him in this game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, though, 21 carries for 116 rushing yards and a touchdown and six receptions for 10 yards, 24.6 fantasy points. Led the team in targets with eight, which is interesting. Uh, fifth game with 100-plus rushing yards this season and nine rushing touchdowns in the past seven games. Um, I guess, I don't know if this is too disrespectful to Christian McCaffrey, but do you think Jonathan Taylor is the rest of season fantasy RB1? 
Yeah, so I would say it's an interesting point that you bring up McCaffrey because Jonathan Taylor still hasn't had his bye week. That's week 14. And so I think that alone might be the deciding factor between him and McCaffrey. But outside of that, he's been outstanding. Um, So I think that, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's certainly inside the top three, top two conversation with McCaffrey, as long as he stays healthy. But yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're thrilled if you have Jonathan Taylor on your roster. Yeah. This Bills defense does rank third in rushing yardage allowed per game at only 83.9 rushing yards, so it'll be interesting to see what he does against them. Uh, Michael Pittman, though, five receptions for 71 yards, 12.1 fantasy points, proving to be a very reliable fantasy wide receiver. Um, I don't know if, how amazing you feel against the Bills, but you're probably still starting him because this Bills defense is arguably the best in the NFL, ranking first in total yardage allowed per game at 274.1 and first in points NFL points allowed per game at only 15. So uh, they're they're a legit defense. Yeah, lower expectations for all Colts, I would say. Yes. We'll move on to the Bills, though. Josh Allen, 21 for 28. 366 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Bounce back from disappointing Week 9 performance. That's all there really is to say about him. He's a must-start QB, and it's just good to see that he bounced back um, after a disappointing day. But we'll talk about this backfield, which was extremely strange uh <laughs> zach i'll just read the point total zach moss 8.7 fantasy points devin singletary 11.9 fantasy points matt breda 18 fantasy points seven different players registered a carry and four different players had a rushing touchdown uh i i guess i don't buy breda he had six touches and 18 points that's like a Kenyon drake performance from a few weeks ago i mean do you feel the yeah. same I mean, well, yeah, but in fairness, you weren't really relying on any of these uh, Buffalo running backs, so it really just makes the committee that much more of a thing if Breda sticks around. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying rush out and pick up Matt Breda, but I think that if anything, it just lowers the value of Moss and Singletary. Agreed. Uh, and then the pass catchers <sighs> got a. I got a lot of them, and this game was a fancy mess. But Diggs boomed. Had a, had a you know a performance akin to his 2020 uh, season. He had eight receptions for 162 receiving yards and one touchdown, good for 30.2 fantasy points. That made me very happy. And then you see Emmanuel Sanders with two receptions, Cole Beasley with two receptions, Dawson Knox with one reception, and Gabriel Davis with three, but 105 receiving yards. I mean, uh. Does this kind of put those other fancy relevant wide receivers back down to earth and make you remember well, that think, Diggs is the only really must start in this offense as far as wide receivers? I think I think something to keep in context and I and I read this earlier today. Let me let me pull that up just so I get it correct, but I believe it was that no other receiver outside of Diggs saw more than four targets. Wow. And yeah, with that being the case, yeah, with that being the case, let me let me find that. Um. Oh no! It's no other Buffalo pass catcher saw more than three targets. Wow! So that is a very unconventional stat for this offense. I think that guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley lately have been more reliable than this. I, you know, it, I, this we've seen that this team can support multiple pass catchers and be fantasy relevant. I, I think the biggest 
surprise of the day, honestly, was probably Dawson Knox in his first game back, only getting one catch for 17 yards. Yeah. But that might be, there might be some bias in there because I started him last week. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think Gabriel Davis is a flash in the pan. I don't expect that to be a repeat performance by yeah. any means. Uh, and I'm not panicking on Sanders or Beasley, really, because, you know, the, Josh Allen is their quarterback, and he's extremely talented. Yeah, I think it also needs to be kept in mind that, you know, this team had four rushing touchdowns, so, you know, they didn't really need to get in the end zone of their pass catchers. I'm glad that Dix did, but, uh, you know, Allen only threw two passing touchdowns, so I expect more from them in the future. And this Colts, Colts defense is relatively middle of the road, so I don't think you're really scared by this matchup per se, but it's not a phenomenal one either. Um, we can move on to... The Lions versus the Browns. The Lions had their first game that they didn't lose, but they didn't win it. Yeah. Let's go Lions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, DeAndre Swift, though, we expected a huge workload. It this still feels like a typo, even though I know this is right. 33 carries for 130 rushing yards and three receptions for five yards. 16.5 fancy points. Uh, both of Detroit's touchdowns were on the ground, but Swift got neither of them. So that's interesting for the random players that vultured him. Uh, and this Browns defense ranks fifth in rushing yards allowed per game, 94.7, but I expect Swift to go back to his more versatile role where he gets a lot more receptions, even if he, you know, definitely regresses from 33 carries, so I'm not worried about him. Yeah, the thing is that the, the most talented uh, player on the Lions roster is DeAndre Swift, and it's disappointing that you didn't get more points out of it because he did get vultured by a couple of long runs from people that you hardly ever hear of uh, that are also running backs on the Lions but you have to feel good about that you know that volume that usage I mean 36 touches is pretty incredible for a a running back I agree I agree for sure Uh, TJ Hawkinson saw one target and caught none of them this is like this is not the first time this season this has happened right that's in five quarters of football by the way that is ridiculous (laughs) <laughs> that is ridiculous. As, like, the yeah. consensus uh, tight end four, tight end five going into drafts. I mean, maybe yeah, some people thought top Pitts five. were better, but, yeah. yeah. He started strong on the season. The real trouble is that he's got Jared Goff as his quarterback. Yeah. I, I can't stress that enough how much that influences his value directly. Like, at least Swift can get carries and not be affected by Jared Goff, but... I mean, we've talked about this in the past. The Lions pass catchers are a real a real who's who of nobodies. Yeah. So Hawkinson having a tough day like this, I mean, it doesn't shock me because, you know, of their quarterback situation, but it's you still have to you still have to roll him out next week because it's just it's not really indicative of his talent. It's just kind of a fluke. Agreed. Uh but it's not a great matchup for him to bounce back in because this Browns defense is strong, ranking fifth in total yardage allowed per game. Um, but they also strangely rank 21st in points allowed per game. So, I mean, they give up touchdowns, but not a ton of yards. But I don't think that I expect the Lions to be the team that scores a bunch on them. But you never know. Uh, we can move on to the Browns, though. Deionis Johnson, proven to be a very reliable handcuff if... Uh, Chubb and Hunt are both out. 19 carries for 99 rushing yards and 7 receptions for 58 receiving yards. 22.7 fantasy points. Led the team in targets with 8. Um, I mean, would you agree that he's a must-start as long as Chubb and Hunt are both out? 
Yeah, after two games, I'm a believer in Dearness Johnson. I think that, you know, it's it's a great offensive line that Cleveland has and although I haven't heard anything about Nick Chubb, it was it was close leading into last week, so I would I would imagine that he's going to be available for this one. But on the off chance that he isn't, Dearness Johnson against this Lions team is a lock in lineups and uh, a must start for sure. Agreed. So yeah, Chubb was on the COVID list, right? So he should be back, right? Or no? Yeah, pres- presumably. Uh, I think the uh, the the issue is going to be if he's asymptomatic, um, because that's an aspect of getting removed from the COVID nineteen list, as well as the uh, consecutive negative tests. So. No word on that yet, but by uh, by Saturday we'll have information on that, hopefully. Yeah, and then Hunt, has he already been ruled out as of me making these notes, or is he still potentially coming back? Not officially, but I don't believe he's been designated to return, return from IR, so probably not available. Okay. Uh, Jarvis Landry only had four catches for 26 yards. Uh, why do you think Landry's not seeing more targets in the absence of OBJ? Uh, because Baker Mayfield struggles as a quarterback just, just I think is well, I, I think that's I really the case I, I mean uh, honestly because Jarvis Landry we know is talented he's he's always been a high volume guy in the NFL in his NFL career but it really I mean that's kind of the whole reason that OBJ wanted out of the, out of Cleveland because yeah. Baker Mayfield struggles and this team is like their focus is on running the ball and so it's not really indicative of or it's not really conducive for fantasy relevant wide receivers or pass catchers totally agree um obj might have a point which is disappointing for this team because i mean it's awesome to see the browns be playoff contenders but not for the way they played against the patriots last week that's for sure uh this lions defense is weak though ranking 28th in total yards allowed per game and 29th in nfl points allowed per game but they are easier to run against than pass against i you know Honestly, Dearness Johnson, just any running back that is starting in this offense is the only must start in this offense. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we can move on to Washington at Carolina Panthers. Uh, yep. Washington, Ron Rivera against Cam Newton. Yes, we'll talk about that for sure when we talk about Cam Newton. Uh, Washington, su- very surprising win against the Buccaneers. Uh, I kind of yeah. had a Buccaneers stack. And DFS last week, I guess I cursed those teams because I did the same thing for the Cowboys when they played the Broncos in Week 9. So uh, I'll let you all know in the DFS video maybe what team I'm stacking and then maybe bet against them in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was completely shocked by this game. And I, and I it just goes to show you that that's, you know, you can talk about a game as much as you want. You know, you can look at stats. You can talk about matchups. But at the end of the day, when the game is being played on the field, anything can happen. And that was definitely the case against uh, the Buccaneers last week for Washington. Yeah, agreed. Definitely. I mean, we've had a few games where it's been like that, where it's you completely expect the opposite. But again, yeah, that's why they play the games. Uh, Panthers defense, though, ranks first in passing yards against only allowing 173.7 on average. Passing yards allowed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson, (laughs) another extremely inefficient day on the ground, but he had two rushing touchdowns. He had 24 carries, only 64 rushing yards, but two rushing touchdowns. 
he's just an extremely touchdown dependent running back and it's tough to feel safe playing him ever um yeah that's really i all agree to with say that about him. i agree with that and then we have jd mckissick who had 7.9 fantasy points i mean we kind of expected him maybe to get more action through the air because we thought that washington would be playing from behind but then they just weren't so that's interesting uh terry mclaurin six receptions for 59 yards led the team in targets with eight kind of a disappointing day for mclaurin but i do expect him to be a very reliable option for the rest of the season probably the only very reliable option in this offense uh but this panthers defense is strong ranking second in total yards allowed per game and sixth in NFL points allowed per game. Uh, but they are much easier to run against than pass against, so maybe Gibson could get some touchdowns. But, again, don't feel confident with that. Uh, we yeah, can move you're, on. Hoping, you're hoping for him to find the end zone, and that's, yeah. not, that's never a, uh, a good feeling. Especially for, like, a low-end RB1 going into drafts. Like, that's really disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Panthers. Cam Newton is unofficially but set to make a start this week in what should be a good matchup. Uh, although it's interesting because he's facing his former coach, uh, the coach of him for his entire time at the Panthers, right, and in his prime, Ron Rivera, yes. who, you know, I was liking the prospects of Newton starting in this matchup, even though Brady didn't do it. I just I just think that it is still a good matchup. But, you know, Ron Rivera, if anyone knows how to lock down Cam, I would think it'd be Rivera. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I would say this. I think the uh, – so – the Washington football team just lost uh, Chase Young to the, for the season, and that's a big loss uh, just because he's a very talented pass rusher. So that aspect may help the Panthers in their game against the football team. But that being said, I do agree that, you know, obviously Ron Rivera is going to have some information on Cam Newton that, you know, most coaches wouldn't necessarily have. But at the end of the day, it's the Washington football team. Do I expect them to, you know, strike, like, you know, do I expect Lightning to strike twice? Not necessarily. Now, the Panthers' offense is nothing special outside of McCaffrey and DJ Moore when he has a good quarterback. But, I mean, do you really feel confident with those pass catchers with Cam Newton there? Uh, No. No. I mean, I think you have to feel better than how Darnold was playing. And it's interesting to see that Anderson got a touchdown, but I still don't really trust either of them. It's just disappointing. Yeah, I think I think what happens is this team like really transitions to relying heavily on Christian McCaffrey, uh, and you know that's good for McCaffrey managers, but <sighs> the pass catchers, it's it's a different story with Cam Newton under center. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Washington defense ranks six in rushing yards allowed per game at 97.1 but we're talking about christian mccaffrey who had 26.1 fantasy points probably in his first like full workload game he had 10 receptions i mean he's a must start we already talked about him and taylor uh, i mean you're just it doesn't really matter who's the number one rest of the season running back in fantasy other than like trade talks but you're starting both of those guys with no question and you're very lucky to have them and it's great to see mccaffrey back and healthy and we already talked about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson a bit. Uh, again, like I don't think you trust either of them. Uh, do you bench DJ Moore? Like, wh- what do you think? That's a bold choice. It really depends on what your other options are, uh, because we know we know DJ Moore's upside. It's obviously really great. He's a you know a borderline wide receiver one. Yeah, it was a top ten wide receiver. Yeah, but 
uh, Cam Newton being there as their quarterback, uh, you'd like the matchup, presumably, you know, if you don't want to, if you ignore last week with the Bucks, but I think that's the, it really depends. It comes down to who your other pass catchers are, who you can slot in there. But I would still rank DJ Moore as a wide receiver too, like safely. Agreed. I, I do agree. Um, this Washington defense this week, ranking 27th in total yards allowed per game and 28th in what I assume is points allowed per game. I forgot to write that down. Uh, but they are much easier to pass against than run against. But, uh, yeah, you're starting McCaffrey. You're starting more, hoping for more from more. And uh, I don't know. I guess Anderson might be worth rostering if you were thinking about dropping him. I guess don't do it right now. But Yeah, what I, what I would do is I would, if he's available in your league, I would... You know, if you have someone at the end of your bench that you're not really, like, committed to, go ahead and pick him up. I wouldn't start him this week. I'd probably hold off until I see a little bit more consistency out of him because he has been so unreliable thus far. But I think that there's a possibility that he kind of emerges. Um, as we saw, he, he got a touchdown reception this past week. This past week. Yeah, one of Newton's few throws. It was so ridiculous to see Newton just have like thirteen point seven two, like almost all of those points in like a few minutes into the game. <laughs> it was definitely interesting. They they they're wanting to let him lead this team. Yeah, did you did you see the clip after he got the rushing touchdown? He takes off his helmet, goes, "I'm back." Yeah, that's so awesome. I like Cam. Yeah, I like his personality. Yeah, that was cool to see. I like him too. Yeah. All right. Next game: Texans Titans. Tyrod Taylor threw three interceptions um, in his first game back because they were on bye. I think I forgot to label that. Right? Weren't they on bye in week 10? Is that right? Uh, yes, that okay. is correct. Yeah, this Titans defense, though, ranks 27th in passing yards allowed per game, which is interesting. Um, I don't think anyone's rushing to start Taylor, though. Running back committee with almost zero upside, and this defense ranks 7th in rushing yards allowed per game, so not even a good matchup. Brian Cooks is the only worthwhile option. Six receptions for 56 yards for 11.6 fantasy points in Week 9. Uh, this Titans defense is relatively middle of the road, but they're much easier to pass against than run against. I mean, you're only starting Cooks if you have... You're, you're only rostering Cooks, most likely, out of this team. Yeah, I would say this. So the, the stats kind of paint a different picture than how the titans have been playing lately they're eight and two yeah i'm and gonna get to that and how it's, it's no i understand i understand but what i'm saying is that from the from the perspective of fantasy relevant texans players obviously i think you do have to start brandon cooks because of his target share but i wouldn't be surprised if he had a similar game to how he did last week 11.6 i mean i think that your expectations are probably going to be lower because the titans as a team overall, including their defense, has performed uh, better than their stats indicate. Agreed. We can move on to the Titans, though. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, your favorite fantasy player. 19 for 27, 213 passing yards, one passing touchdown. And five carries for one rushing touchdown kind of saved his day. 18.62 fantasy points. Only two games this season with more than two passing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns in the season. You don't feel confident starting him ever. I think that's all that needs to be said, and it's kind of no, being a dead I, horse I, because I, you agree. I went, yeah, I went on a rant about Tannehill last week, and I and I've talked about it multiple times uh, through this podcast that Tannehill is has fallen off as a as a QB one in fantasy, and uh, you know through 
through some fault of his pass catchers, but also just him as a player. He's not getting it done like like we're used to seeing. And so, yeah, you know, before I get on another rant, I'm just going to say that, yeah, he's uh, he's not really worth rostering in my opinion. Yeah. And then this backfield, Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, those two combined for 4.8 fantasy points. And Deonta Foreman, Deontay, I think it's Deonta Foreman. I think uh, that's correct. Yeah, 11 carries for 30 yards and two receptions for 48. I mean, I dropped McNichols for Foreman, but do you really feel great about rostering any of these uh, running backs? I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's that big of an upgrade because like we talked about last week, the, this is a committee. Yeah. You can't replace Derrick Henry with 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 just one guy. So yeah. you have, I think you have the best upside with Foreman just because he's getting the most touches so far. But yeah, yeah, I, it's a low it's a low end flex play if you're gonna start a uh, Titans running back. Yeah, uh, this Texans defense ranks second to last in rushing yards allowed per game. So it'll be interesting to see if one of them emerges or if they just all have you know mediocre days. <laughs> Uh, AJ Brown, one catch for 16 yards and one rush for seven yards. Uh, and he's had two 100 plus yard receiving games this season. Don't know why that's written as a question, but it, it does baffle <laughs> you. It does baffle you though. I, I it comes back to Tannehill. It's yeah. AJ Brown's floor and ceiling are directly tied to Tannehill's production at quarterback. Tannehill has been inconsistent at quarterback and that makes aj brown inconsistent at wide receiver i mean that's what it comes down to even with julio jones on ir aj brown is still a victim of his quarterback's situation so that's i mean you know that's that's why that is yeah and then julio definitely won't be available uh at the very earliest until week 13 but yeah you don't feel great about it no matter what for brown Uh, titans like as you already said they're eight and two and it's just ridiculous. They have barely any fantasy-relevant players, except for Derrick Henry, of course, when he was healthy. Probably the best fantasy player this season. And we miss yeah, him very he much. Was. He was. Yeah. And I, personally, I miss him very much. I think I think that, among other losses that I've had to my team, is going to probably uh, crush my season. Yeah. I mean, he, he could be back for the fantasy playoffs, potentially. And he almost certainly will be back for the NFL playoffs, right? So, I mean, that makes you feel good about this for him and this team in real life. But uh, this yeah. is kind of an yeah. ugly team to be 8-2. and two. It's ridiculous to me. Um, Yeah, and this Texans defense, though, is very weak. But honestly, who cares? Uh, I mean, you're probably starting <laughs> A.J. Brown if you have him, and then nobody else. Yes. Yeah, probably. Um. Like we said, it's a running back by committee, and Tannehill is very inconsistent. Obviously, they can have a good offensive game against the Texans because most teams have. But yeah, I think that you're, you know, you're starting a few of these players, but not many. Yep. All right, I'll let you take over and bring us the next matchup, which is the 49ers at the Jaguars. Yeah. So we saw a big game for the 49ers this past week. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries for 91 yards, only 9.1 fantasy points because, like we've said, he's very, uh, pretty much non-existent in the passing game. Uh, he underwent a procedure for his broken finger, and we will monitor his status for this week. So, in the event that he is unavailable, Jeff Wilson Jr. is most likely the next man up, but I think it will kind of be 
it will resemble more of a committee if that's the case. That being said, uh, you know, if he is available, he's a solid running back two, an RB two, uh, because of that limited passing upside. Yeah. With George Kittle, five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown for 16 fantasy points. Back-to-back games with a touchdown, and I did I did hear somewhere that that was his first time in his career to do that. Uh, do you expect him to keep this momentum, or is it time to sell high on George Kittle? Um, I do expect him to keep the momentum. If you got lucky with like a tight end pickup, like I know Fryermuth didn't have a great week last week, but let's say you've someone re- like Fryermuth or dan arnold and you're fine of selling high for kittle for a different position i don't think it's a bad idea but i do expect him to keep the momentum yeah i would say it really depends on what you can get for kittle because having a reliable or even semi-reliable tight end whenever you play in a league that requires tight ends it's very valuable it is so if george kittle does keep this up you're happy with him for this second half of the season um I think he's probably going to keep the momentum up as well. I agree with you. Um, what was his injury that, that he was dealing with that held him out? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't either. And was it bothering him at the beginning of the season, or was it just something that he got? Again, I do not remember. This okay, is uh, well, on the fly. <laughs> yeah, either way, uh, you feel good about him, especially if it was like he was dealing with this all season. But if not, regardless, you still feel good to see him come back from injury and put up these numbers yeah so somebody who may not keep the momentum as we've clearly seen is brandon Ayuk. 5.6 fantasy points in week 10 i'm more worried that weeks eight and nine were the outlier or do you think that this is more due to garoppolo only having 19 pass attempts Uh, that is interesting um that garoppolo you know that definitely could have limited him I'd like to see Garoppolo have a somewhat heavy passing day with Ayuk, Kittle, and Debo all being there and see what happens. I wouldn't drop Ayuk like we were recommending earlier in the season. I think you got to wait for a game like that where he puts up these numbers with Garoppolo throwing a lot for you to so be you're, like, okay, So you're going to pick him back up and hold him? I would, yeah. Um, okay. I, I do think, I want to see a game where Garoppolo throws a lot and Ayuk does this again to really be like, okay, that was an outlier. Okay, so just, just for perspective, the, this, the game script of this one, so the 49ers won 39, or 31 to 10 against the Rams. Which was very surprising. Uh, Mitchell had 27 carries, Debo Samuel had 5 carries, Jeff Wilson had 10 carries, and Garoppolo Jeez. had 2 carries. So Jeez. they just, they ran it down the Rams' throat. They they yeah. rammed the ball down the Rams' throat. <laughs> so, I think that, you know, this is an ideal game script for the 49ers who love using their running backs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I get what you're saying with the limited pass attempts from Garoppolo, but I still am kind of, I'm still kind of worried that you know his previous two weeks were the outliers for his fantasy season i just i i just you know i, I don't think that for whatever reason he's just not the same player that he was at the end of last season uh i'll here i'll ask you this would you drop him without any question for like bateman yeah totally yeah i agree with that yeah I, I, yeah yeah if you don't have someone like that on your on your waiver wire though i think you hold on to him Sure. And, I mean, it's a good matchup. We're, we're talking about the Jaguars up next. So, 
James Robinson, 12 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown, four catches for 27 yards, finished with 18.4 fantasy points. San Francisco ranks 23rd in rushing yards per game at 122 and 21st in points allowed per game at 23.6. So, uh, I mean, and we'll get to this in a moment, but outside of James Robinson, who who can you trust in this Jaguars offense fantasy-wise? Uh, I mean, I know you're about to talk about Dan Arnold, but Dan Arnold. <laughs> yeah, uh, but even... he led the, he led the, led the team in receiving yards and receptions in in consecutive weeks. He had five catches for 67 yards for 13.7 fantasy points. I mean, uh, honestly, he seems like the only pass catcher that you can trust, and I think that you were gonna you're going to agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, I think Chenault has had nine receptions in the past three games, and I think Jones. I mean, I'm looking that up real quick. It, it was surprisingly low what their combined totals were. Yeah, Jones also was 10. So 19 between them two in three games. And then Dan Arnold <laughs> has stepped in. So, yeah, I yeah. guess he's the only one you trust. Yeah, and that's a that's a, that's a scary look for that offense, uh, yeah, especially fantasy-wise. Surprising. I mean, you'd think it has to go somewhere, the passing, uh, because they're playing from behind. You'd think it'd have to go somewhere. And they have talented they have somewhat talented wide receivers, but that's yeah. not getting it done other than it's Arnold. Not... That's right. All right, so let's move on to the Dolphins at the Jets. This is a real barn burner here. Oh, yeah. All right, so the New York Jets rank near bottom, 29th or worse, in all defensive categories. So obviously it's a good matchup for defo- for the Dolphins' offense. Tua is expected to start, which means you feel good about... Waddle and Gasicki, uh, and Week Eleven is an odd week, so Miles Gaskin should go off in this great matchup. I mean, is there more analysis? Because we've seen it, time like we've seen it, we've seen the pa- the pattern of Miles Gaskin going up and down, up and down, and the only thing that's stayed consistent, regardless of matchup, really, has been the week number. Yeah, so it'd be interesting with this seemingly great matchup for him to finally go against that trend. So no, I got nothing else to say about him. <laughs> Yeah, and then Will Fuller with his finger injury, uh, still unlikely to play. But I believe that, you know, especially in a league that, or in a season where there have been a lot of players placed on IR, Will Fuller might have fallen to the waiver wire in your league. And so uh, that might be someone to consider because with Tua starting at this te- in, this, uh, in this offense, I think that Will Fuller has a spot um, for some catches. Yeah, I think I've picked him up and dropped him twice, and he, he's never played for me, and now he's back on the waiver wire in our league. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I just didn't have the room for him like I thought I would. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be the case for a lot of uh, a lot of leagues. So keep yeah. an eye on that. It was uh, it was the, the head coach said last week that it, it would be a possibility that he plays this week. That's not looking like the case in week 11. So maybe get ahead of it now while you can for week 12. Yep. Um, On to the Jets. My notes here, I'm going to just, I'm going to read them as I had them before I found out that Joe Flacco was going to start. <laughs> I said, if Zach Wilson plays, I'm nervous for all Jets offensive players. If Mike White plays, I'm less nervous, but still not confident. Really, nothing has changed with the news that Joe Flacco is going to start. I'm more on the side of Mike White than Zach Wilson, but honestly, like Miami's coming off of an impressive defensive performance against the Ravens. They held him to 10 points, Yeah, and I think there's very little upside for the Jets players on offense. I mean, 
Joe Flacco, you can talk about him because, you know, he's a former Bronco great. But oh, God. <laughs> I don't think he's gotten much better in that time since he was on the Broncos. I, I don't really expect a lot from him in this game. And so because of that, I expect very little from Jets' offense in general. Yeah, and then you'd think that someone that would be immune would be Michael Carter. Uh, I mean, in the, but, he has but Tevin had Coleman's two games. Back. Yeah, Tevin Coleman's back, and also a lot of uh, Michael Carter's points in the past four weeks have come from receptions, so that doesn't make you feel good about the QB play necessarily, and Tevin Coleman's back. So um, he could have been a sell-high candidate potentially. I mean, you're not selling super high on him. but Yeah, we, t- we talked us. about it. Yep. We talked about it. We said, like, you know, who's going to be like, oh, Michael Carter? Like, that's a big name. But, yeah, yeah the, the reality is that the Jets are in trouble yet again. So um, I think there's not much else to talk about there. We'll, we'll go ahead and move on to the Saints against the Eagles. And I've got very brief notes for the Saints. Yeah. If Alvin Kamara plays, he's the only player you're starting. If Alvin Kamara misses, Mark Ingram, who had 14 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown, four catches for 61 yards, finishing with 20-point fantasy points, and the new franchise leader in rushing That's cool. for the Saints. He's the only player that you're starting. Yeah. Uh, the reality is that the Saints are devoid of fantasy-relevant pass catchers. Now, we have seen people like Deontay Smith, and we have seen people like... Or Deontay Harris. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Um, either way, like the fact that I can't name them, Marquez Callaway, <laughs> these guys are... They're just not getting it done week to week, so you can't count on them. And it's just... It's just not a good look. I mean, Trevor Simeon's the quarterback. Still, presumably, you don't feel great about that. It's the running back. Whoever's starting at running back is the only fantasy-relevant player. Yep, I agree. And then on to the Eagles. Philadelphia ran all over the Broncos in Week 10, and, I'm, and I hate to say that to you, but <laughs> but New Orleans, New Orleans ranks number one in rushing yards allowed per game at 72.9. So... There is a possibility that Miles Sanders returns, and the coach has already said if he's healthy and available, he is their starter. So along with that, you got to lower expectations for Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, not only because of the matchup, but also because of Miles Sanders. And then you're just going to need to see Hurts deliver with his arm if the Eagles are going to win this game. Because Jalen Hurts has been wildly inconsistent. He's failed to throw for 200-plus yards in each of his last three games. That's not what you're looking for from your quarterback. Not at all. (laughs) He hasn't thrown more than two passing touchdowns since week one. Also not a good statistic. Oh, my. So, Devonta Smith, four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. He has finished with 22.6 fantasy points in consecutive weeks. Are you selling high on Devonta Smith? I think it's a pretty good idea. I don't trust him or his outlook for the rest of the season. I think that he would be a smart player to sell high. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, it depends on what you can get for him, but you're trying to sell high. Yeah, so here's here's some perspective. He is position rank 25, so he's wide receiver 25. And his fantasy football playoffs if you play through week 18, are Washington twice in weeks 15 and 17, the Giants in week 16, and Dallas in week 18. So week 18 is the only one that you're really worried about. (laughs) Every game's a divisional matchup. That's interesting. Yeah. But I think that, you know, if you can... 
because because of the inconsistency from Jalen Hurts and how Devonta Smith has really been, you know, pretty mediocre despite being wide receiver 25, if you can include that playoff schedule as part of your selling point for for Devonta Smith, I think that's a good option. That's smart. Yeah, because I mean, really like that's the only thing that you can really say positive about this guy because Without these touchdowns, uh, obviously he's had two games that have been over 100 receiving yards, but he's been really not that great. Like, he's got multiple games of under six fantasy points, and that's not what you're looking for from a wide receiver one in an offense. Yeah, I agree, I, and I think that would be a smart, a smart pitch for the, the fantasy playoff schedule. Yeah, all right. So let's let's move on to Bengals versus the Raiders. I was telling you pre, pre, uh, pre-recording, Las Vegas just allowed Mahomes to throw for five TDs and over 400 yards on yeah. Sunday night football. Yeah. So I love the matchup for Joe Burrow, his pass catchers in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and even Joe Mixon to get involved because he's been pretty consistent lately. The only player that I'm down on is Tyler Boyd. <laughs> he had one catch for 11 yards on two targets in week nine. As long as this receiving core is healthy, Boyd can't be trusted. Do you agree? Yeah, you finally pulled the trigger and dropped him, and I don't I did. I finally picked him up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, the rest of that offense, uh, you know, outside of C.J. Uzama, who, you know, likely no one's really starting except in deep leagues, uh, those other, you know, those main four are still going to have probably a pretty good matchup against the Raiders. Moving on to them, Hunter Renfro, he's emerging as a, re- as a reliable wide receiver, too, with upside in this offense. He had seven catches for 46 yards and a touchdown to finish with 17.6 fantasy points. He has quietly had double-digit scoring in all but one game this season. So I say emerging, but, like, he's probably, you know, he's he's been really reliable. So, he's emerged. Yeah, I, I think he's emerged. Um. And then on the other side, Darren Waller, four catches for 24 yards for 6.4 fantasy points. It is only his second game with single-digit points, but, you know, you drafted him at a high spot, presumably. I I do expect him to bounce back this week. Do you? I I do agree, for sure. All right, let's talk about Cowboys-Chiefs. Big-time shootout potential in this one, am I right? Oh, yeah, for sure. This will be a very interesting game. I think this will be a very popular game in DFS, and we'll talk about that in Saturday's show. But yeah. Dallas bounced back from Week Nine in a major way, just absolutely crushing the Falcons forty-three to three. Ezekiel Elliott had fourteen carries for forty-one yards, two touchdowns that he punched in at probably the one-yard line, and three catches for fifteen yards. Finished with twenty point seven six fantasy points because he did get a throw in there for I think four yards. Um, and then Tony Pollard had 11 carries for 42 yards, so a more efficient day uh, than Zeke, and six catches for 56 yards, a better receiving day. 15.8 fantasy points is what he finished with. They essentially split touches for near-identical rushing totals. So do you have any concern for Zeke moving forward if the touchdowns aren't there for him? I do. Um, I roster Zeke and Pollard on my main team. Um and I'm looking to maybe sell high. But what I mean by that is, like, okay, Zeke, if healthy, barring injuries and all that, 
he he's still a you know very safe RB one. But when I say sell high, like I think that by the end of the season he's gonna be more like a low end RB one, uh, with how he's trending with his split carries and split rushing yards of Pollard. But I think you can sell him as a strong RB one. So that's what I mean by that. It's not like I'm saying oh panic on Zeke, but I think now would be a good time to sell. If you're wanting to get back, uh, you know, some safer options and maybe a wide receiver or two, um, I think it might not be a bad idea to look for that because I think people might not look at his stats. They see, you know, 20 pointed points and he was coming off of two somewhat weak games and they're like, oh, he bounced back, but I don't know if I buy it. But, you know, you're not, you don't feel awful about him. I'm just saying he could be uh, someone who falls in the rankings after the coming weeks. Yeah, I think what it really what it really means is that his fantasy ceiling is going to be limited because Tony Pollard is having very efficient touches and you know, that takes away work from Zeke whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is something to consider for uh, managers of Zeke out there. Uh let's talk about the Chiefs on the other side of this matchup. They are the home team and In week 10, Kansas City reminded you why you drafted Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill in the early rounds of fantasy drafts. I mean, they all had fantastic days. Uh, The real question is, do you expect them to keep the momentum against Dallas? Uh, I do. I think that, you know, the Falcons obviously couldn't do it, but the Broncos could. So I think the Chiefs definitely can. And seeing Mahomes have this day reminds you why you know, people would almost go as far to say the next goat, which I don't think is true. But um, yeah, he reminded yeah, you maybe, that he is maybe slow your good. roll. Yeah, I'd slow your roll. But <laughs> um, yeah, I feel good about him. Obviously, after that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Trevon Diggs like shadows Tyree Kill at all, or yeah. you know how how the Cowboys approach Kansas City's offense defending it. But yeah, I think that. Overall, I, I feel, I mean, this game was everything that you could have asked for from the Chiefs offensive players. We, we can talk about Darrell Williams. 11 for 43, that's whatever. Nine catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. He finished with 29.4 fantasy points. And his touchdown I mean, catch was insane. Yes, it was a, it was a true snagbert. Yes, for sure. Uh, the thing to note is his previous season high was six catches back in week eight. Is this something you should expect moving forward, or is this more of an outlier, you think? <sighs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It all depends on CEH. It'll be interesting to see what happens to each of their values when he comes back. Uh, if you have CEH, I might be looking to sell before he starts playing again. And if you have Williams, I don't know anyone's going to buy that much, but you could add him onto a trade to get some extra uh, players out of it or extra quality. But... Uh, I really have no idea what will happen to Williams when CEH returns. That's all. Yeah, we all talked. Really we say. talked about. I brought up the idea of selling CEH a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Saying that you know, we've seen how Kansas City has utilized the running back position, and and that was when, uh, that was when Gore, and I'm forgetting his first yeah, name Derek, obviously because yeah, Derek Gore. That's correct. Um, when Derek Gore popped up and kind of had a, a, an effective day on the ground, it made you worry as a CEH manager of what 
you know, of how they would value him when he returned. So coming off of this game from Daryl Williams, I feel like your opportunity to sell high, or not even to sell high, but just to offload CEH from your team has kind of closed because we've seen how well these backups have performed in CEH's absence. It makes it very difficult to make a compelling case uh, for any team to take CEH on. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I think if you if you were going to do it, it was probably you probably should have done it sooner, but it might be something to still consider because it does it does seem like it's not going to be a very uh, a very valuable position that CEH has in this offense at this point. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Cardinals at Seahawks. Kyler Murray, his ankle, DeAndre Hopkins, hamstring. They've missed the previous two weeks, and they have a bye in week 12. So do you expect one or both of these guys to play, or do you think they're going to be held out until the bye and not be available until week 13? Um, I don't know about Hopkins. I think that they might hold him out just because they have so many options. But Kyler, I'm feeling optimistic about, especially since I think Colt McCoy picked up an injury, right, in week 10? Yeah, he, he was he did not finish the game. I think that I feel optimistic about Kyler. Um, I don't know if that's biased because I have him. I'm just hoping he plays. But And again, I don't know the current status of both of their injuries with much detail, but I could see Hopkins, just as far as like them playing it safe, he'd be more likely to be the one to be benched just because they have so many uh, you know, reliable receiving options. Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility considering that the bye is next week and hamstring injuries, especially for, you know, explosive runners like a wide receiver, are difficult injuries to kind of work to play through. So that may be a possibility. We'll be monitoring that going into the weekend. That being said, Christian Kirk, seven catches for 58 yards. He finished with 12.8 fantasy points. He's been a double-digit scorer in five of his last six games and been relatively reliable regardless of who's at quarterback. So are you buying the struggles of the other Arizona pass catchers because of Colt McCoy being the quarterback, or is this something else? I mean, I just think that there's only so many... Uh, you know, only so many passing attempts, and I think Kirk has solidified his role as the next best option when Hopkins is uh, out, and that just, I mean, just the next best option in general, and I think everybody else just kind of detracts from each other's value. So I think Kirk is the number two guy, and I think you roll with him, especially if Hopkins is out. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. I mean, I think the ceiling isn't, you know, it's not the best, but it's it's probably pretty good considering where you drafted Christian Christian Kirk. Oh, if you even did draft him, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, again, the ceiling's limited just because, you know, the same reasoning that all the other pass catchers are struggling fantasy-wise. All right, let's talk about the Seahawks. This was the first time, and you referenced this earlier, but this was the first time that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were shut out. So... Gerald Everett led the team in receptions with eight and yards with 63. Uh, better days are obviously ahead, and it is a tough matchup against Arizona. They rank fifth in passing yards allowed per game and points allowed per game at 18. And I'll just tell you this. From someone who's been watching football for a little while, 
divisional matchups, especially the NFC West. I don't know what it is about this division, <laughs> but they always seem to be competitive games. Um, rem- remember when? Remember when Colin Kaepernick was with the 49ers? Yes. Yeah, and they were a pretty like they were a pretty prolific offense. And I remember in that season when they played the Seahawks, it was like it was like six to nine was like the final score it was a very low scoring game so i think that you know for whatever reason nfc west matchups are very competitive they're very defensive oriented and so i don't necessarily obviously i don't think it's going to be as bad as it was against the packers last week and you're obviously starting dk because he's been so you know he's been so reliable outside of a few games uh but what are your thoughts on tyler lockett i mean I do think that you have to trust what Wilson can bring to his value in the future. Obviously, it didn't happen this game, but like you said, this is the first time Wilson has ever been shut out in the NFL. So I don't buy that that's going to be a common thing. I expect this offense to start going again, and I think Lockett will benefit. Um, you know, I would say it was because of the snow, but the snow wasn't there, so that can't be the reason. <laughs> yeah, um, the snow went away. But I, I do think that you, I think you got to roll lock it back out there with Wilson being the starting QB just because of his uh, ridiculous ceiling. Like he doesn't have a ceiling, honestly. Like he, he can just absolutely explode, and it's just hard to see that on your bench, <laughs> especially in our league when we start yeah. so many players. Um, yeah. But, no, yeah. I totally agree with you. I think that. Uh, for those of you who drafted Tyler Lockett, you should have known going into the season that he was a risk-reward type of player. And I think that maybe, you know, his his final standing, I believe he was wide receiver six going into the season this year. Uh, I think that that kind of skewed people into thinking that he was more consistent than he really was. It was really that he boomed on several games and he busted on a few games. So... So far this season, it has definitely been more busts than booms. But with Russell Wilson back, you know, you have to keep in mind that with Geno Smith there, although DK was getting all the touchdowns, it's not really the same kind of player that Tyrell Lockett is. And so with Wilson back, I feel better about Lockett. I think that, you know, last week, like you said, it's the first time Russell Wilson's been shut out. And so I don't expect that to be the case this week. Uh, but again, uh, it comes back to like how I feel about this, this division and how they play each other. So it could really go either way. I, I don't feel confident citing Tyler Lockett, but I think you have to because of his upside. Yeah, I mean, for the same reasons you were just saying, I certainly wasn't targeting Lockett in drafts. I mean, he was definitely, uh, his final position rank is definitely skewed in the correct direction uh, for valuing him too high. Yeah, so let's talk about the Sunday night matchup with the Steelers coming off of an embarrassing tie with the Lions and the Chargers coming off of a loss against the uh, the Vikings. So I'll start here. Mason Rudolph, he, he did all right. He had 50 pass attempts. He completed 30 of them for 242 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Uh, and you can monitor Ben's availability, but honestly, it, it doesn't really make a big difference. We were talking about Big Ben, how he should probably he should probably retire after this year. He's been rough. Yeah. 
And the Chargers rank fourth in passing yards allowed per game. It's a tough matchup regardless of who's a quarterback. The bright side for the Steelers offense is Najee Harris. 26 carries, 105 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but he also had four catches for 28 yards, finishing with 17.3 fantasy points. The Chargers rank last in rushing yards allowed per game at 155.1. So I expect another big performance from Harris. I agree. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then Ray Ray McLeod is the only player that I'm going to focus on. He had nine catches for 63 yards, 15.3 fantasy points. He had 12 targets in Week 10. He had 10 targets in all games combined, Weeks 1 through 9. So with Smith-Schuster out and Claypool week to week, assuming he does not play, is McLeod worth rostering, or is this just a fluke? I mean, honestly, even if you think it is a fluke, I feel like you can't, unless you just have insane wide receiver depth, I don't think you can feel that much better about your worst wide receiver on your roster to not you know you know take the chance and go after the guy who had 12 targets i think that he will certainly regress from this but uh i don't know i'm leaning more towards a fluke <laughs> but maybe we're rostering I, I, just just if you would I agree think with that. to start I think, your last wide receiver yeah i think i mean i think the 10 targets in weeks one through nine combined is kind of a big indication that this guy has been a product of circumstance with yeah. you know with Claypool and Smith Schuster out last week. So Claypool currently has a projection for the week. Um, we'll monitor his status going into the weekend. But uh, assuming that yeah, assuming he doesn't play, assuming Claypool is unavailable, McLeod. I mean, he does present some upside in this offense. Yeah, and then the other side, Chargers. Pittsburgh ranks ninth in passing yards allowed per game and eighth in points allowed per game at 20.6. Justin Herbert had another disappointing day. 195 passing yards for one touchdown and one interception. He finished with 12 fantasy points. He's been under 14 fantasy points in three of his last four games. So how concerned are you if you roster Justin Herbert? (sighs) I mean, we've seen him have insanely great games uh this season so i don't think you're too concerned i saw a graphic this past week of just like how he never even attempted to throw a deep ball in the entire game against the vikings i expect him to bounce back but i'm getting really sick of every other week feeling like i expect him to bounce back but i do (laughs) yeah i mean the talent is there it's just i think he's been on a bad stretch and and it, I, I think it's, you know, it hasn't really affected Keenan Allen in the same way it's affected Mike Williams. But yeah. uh, Williams, four catches for 33 yards. He's been a single-digit scorer in five of his last six games. What do you do if you roster him? I I, I think you bench him. I, I, I don't know. That's really tough. It's a similar feeling, I guess, to DJ Moore um, is how I feel about Williams. Or Tyler Lockett. Or Tyler Lockett, I was going to say that too. Um, except those players are even more proven in the past than just Williams having a hot start to this season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not envious of having of having Williams at all. I mean... <laughs> not like you were in the first quarter of the season. For sure. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good way to phrase it. 
Yeah, the reality is, like, you know, you drafted him late. He was a, a flyer, kind of a breakout pot potential, and he did for the first quarter of the season. And then he's plummeted back to earth. And so I, I totally I totally understand if you're considering benching him moving forward because he needs to prove himself. And, and part of that comes from Justin Herbert's struggles. But on the same, you know, on the other hand, Keenan Allen has not struggled. He's been very consistent. Yeah putting up good numbers in this offense despite Justin Herbert's production. So, you know, and, and we talked about this before that Keenan Allen has traditionally been the most reliable uh, pass catcher in this offense, and, and we thought maybe Mike Williams has surpassed him, but it, it seems like that's clearly not the case as, as Keenan continues to be consistent and Williams is kind of showing that he's uh, not quite that guy yet. Yeah, uh, if you manage to sell high on Williams, congratulations. Yeah, you really, <laughs> you really came out good on that end. Assuming that you had uh, a good player on the other on the other side of that trade. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Monday night matchup. I'm looking forward to this personally because I want to see the Buccaneers bounce back. I want to see <laughs> Brady have a good game. Uh, but here, here's how I'll start it. The Giants are coming off of a bye. And you need to monitor the injuries of this pretty much this entire team because they've been plagued by them all season long. The Washington football team proved that Tampa Bay can be defeated. However, Tampa Bay is at home in primetime football. I expect them to turn things around in a big way. What say you? I, I agree. Um, I think it would be really hard to bank on the Buccaneers just flopping again. And... I mean, Saquon's back for the Giants, but, you know, uh, that doesn't really scare me with how this game will end up going, and uh, it doesn't really even matter for fantasy with the Buccaneers' offense, but, yeah, I do expect them to bounce back. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, we're going to need to monitor the injuries of Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. I think Chris Godwin should be all right, considering that he played the entirety of that last game in Week 10. And we'll have more information on that by Saturday, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, the reality is that I think, you know, Brady and the Bucks are going to bounce back. They're going to turn things around because, uh, you know, we talked about the Washington football team's defense not scaring you, and it turned out to be wrong. But I, I think the same analysis applies to the Giants' defense. It doesn't scare you. Yeah. Yeah, so from that perspective... Obviously, you know who you're starting with the Buccaneers. Uh, one bad game is not going to dissuade you from starting any of these guys. So I think it should be a, a convincing win for the Buccaneers on Monday night. And we'll have more information on injuries, hopefully, uh, by Saturday. So we'll get, those to you, we'll get those to you guys. And outside of that, Carson, if you don't have anything else to say, I appreciate you guys listening to the episode Like I've said multiple times, we'll have another episode out on Saturday, including a DFS podcast. So without further ado, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace out.